Hey there, you're listening to Your Life is Awesome, brought to you by Enjoy Toys, featuring true life stories about sex told by audience members at Smut Slams around the world. Smut Slam is a growing network of dirty storytelling shows founded in 2011 by me, Cameron Moore. We do our best to keep Smut Slam safe, but safe doesn't mean G-rated. Some of these stories are explicit as fuck. If you're not into that, now is a good time to get out. Otherwise, enjoy the show. Your life is awesome! Your life is awesome! Hey there, and welcome. If this is a return visit for you, we knew we had you. We have a way of reaching out and grabbing you exactly where it feels the best. Um, If this is your first time with Your Life is Awesome, well, you are in for a treat. We've got stories here just sizzling hot from around the Smut Slam network. The live shows are happening carefully, cautiously, slowly. We are uh, coming out of the long hibernation of the first three years of the pandemic, and uh, we're bringing you the hottest, freshest smut from from people who are really just excited to be with us in person. So that brings me to the point exactly, like, what are we drawing from? What is the show that Your Life is Awesome is based on? Well, Smut Slam is an open mic. We don't know what's going to happen on any given night. We encourage people to sign up to tell their stories at the door. They drop their names in the metaphorical hat, and we draw their names out one at a time to get the lineup for the evening. It just happens. It unfolds organically, chaotically, however you want to describe it. We, of course, talk to our tellers after the show make sure they want to have their stories on the podcast or not and then we go back and check with them again so we are all about consent at smut slam at the event and of course with these stories as well Uh, that's a basic overview of how the show works but you know it's like looking at a blueprint for a magical castle it doesn't tell you anything about what's behind the doors all right so you just have to come out to the smut slams in person if you can otherwise This is your podcast. This episode was recorded on February 20th in Berlin with a theme of connection. I we were trying to avoid a Valentine's Day show and connection just got people all soft and goopy about stuff, even the kinky stuff. So, yeah, uh, that's that's the theme that we're working with here. There is no story from me today because there were so many people throwing their names in the buckets and ready to be on the podcast. We just wanted to go with it. So this this is what it is. It's an all audience show today. All stories from the audiences. Story one is uh, about arriving and finding queer community in Berlin and really connecting over some geeky shit. Yeah. Story two is uh, not quite successful. A sugar date with a particular fetish in mind. This was, I think, possibly the surprise story of the of the evening at this particular slam, so I hope you enjoy that. Story three is... Uh, is a little something special from Busty Latish, who is the future Amsterdam co-producer of Smut Slam. She is telling us about how she hooked up with a nerdy music guy over ICQ while on study abroad. Uh, Story four is just, you know, a little something about how to find some good conversation at the kink club. You know, that's what we're all about is, is just those reasonable connections in reasonable places. And story five is a hookup on the other side of town with a life changing 
consequence. So I hope that's got you settled back into your seat. Strap in. We're in for a big ride here. In between the stories, of course, we have fuck buckets, which are anonymous questions and confessions that the audiences throw into our bucket. I try to answer them. I throw it over to the judges. Sometimes we crowdsource the responses and that's just the wisdom of the collective consciousness. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like an oracle sometimes. So that's what's in for your ears right now. It's stories and fuck buckets and all kinds of magic. Sit back, enjoy. I'll see you on the other side. Okay, so we're going to start with the fuck buckets. Oh, I recently discovered I'm a cum slut. <laughs> And there's a, there's a face with like a, a round mouth for, for a hole there, like, hey. Oh, that's so cute. Okay. Yeah. Come sluts unite. Woo. Okay. Like, I know there's a medical condition where you can be allergic to cum. I feel like that would be, like, for me, that would be punishing. That would be like, I would hate that. <laughs> I am here with my sugar daddy. Uh, that, 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 yay! Oh, I hope your sugar daddy gives you lots of money later. Okay. Lots of sugar. Can I do one more? I just love these so much. Okay, all right. Okay. And if it's a novella, I'll put it back. We're doing a real short one here. Because the novellas, you know, I like to give them space to evolve as I read them. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Daddy is here to visit, and I can't have enough of his cock. Smiley face. <laughs> Couple of daddies in the house tonight. What are they? At least two. At least two. Well done. Okay, that other daddy should also give you lots of money, as well as the cost. Yeah, so I actually want to tell a story about a connection that I had that started at Smutslam, and for me also represents a lot of the reasons why I fell in love with Berlin, actually. So I came to Berlin in 2018, in I think autumn 2018, and I had like one friend here, didn't know anyone else. Um, So I was like keen to meet people, but I knew actually Cameron from London. I had studied there and had been to a smart slam. And I was like, oh, Cameron is in Berlin and there's smart slam happening. I should go and help out. So I became part of the crew of the Smutlings. And I think it was literally like one of the first smart slams here in September where I helped out. And it was happening back then, like in this cute like bar in Friedrichshain. And there was always like this kind of um, like the regular sitting at the back, apart from like the BDSM community or like the poly community. And it felt, felt so wholesome, the vibes there, that it really was one of the first places where I felt that sense of like belonging and also queer community in Berlin. And so this first time I, w- I was helping them in September, um, I remember uh, during intermission I went down um, to the toilet and I saw this person next to me 
in the toilet was like, oh, like they look badass, like they have like this kind of bleach bus cut and like covered in tattoos and they look so cool, but I never thought about, you know, um, talking to them because I'm, you know, not so good at on, like not online flirt, like real life flirting, I think. So I was like, okay, cool person. Uh, what happened though, like was at the end of the show, somehow like we crossed paths and they just came up to me and were like, hey, I think you look cute, like, do you want to give me your number? And I was like, oh, yes, please, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I did a little dance of joy. I was like, oh my God, what just happened? So, <laughs> um, yeah, a few days later we met up, we had a date, we went to a bar, we just ordered some wine, we started talking and getting to know each other, and immediately I felt this, like, strong sense of connection there. You know, it's almost like looking into a mirror somehow, it, it was like, okay, we, also at the time, I, I was already, uh, I knew already I'm non-binary, but I didn't call myself trans necessarily, and there was another person who had like a really similar experience of being non-binary, and we, we connected, we talked a lot about like our relationships, um, about what it meant to be queer for us, what it meant to be, you know, non-binary, we talked about queer theory, we got really nerdy, you know, and I felt like this, wow, like, you know, it's almost like this meme, this meme exists where it's like, uh, like somebody like talking about gender with like cis people, and it's like, you know, parents talking to a toddler and explaining like basic shapes, you know, and then it's like trans people talking about gender and it's like Plato and Socrates having like a philosoph philosophical discussion, right? And it felt like that, you know, we were like both nerding out on like, you know, queer theory and how we felt about gender, you know, so it's like, wow, this is like really great and affirming, you know, and you really feel like so seen from this person. So after like three hours of talking nonstop, I was like, hmm, so do you want to come back home to my place? So they said yes, and yeah. <laughs> we had sex, it was amazing. And I mean, the one thing that was a bit sad, so they were visiting from Chile, basically, they were there in Berlin for like 10 days. I had literally just arrived, it was like my first weeks in Berlin, and I was like the next 10 days that they were there, we kind of, you know, we, we met up, we dated for this short period of time, and I was literally wearing these kind of what you call like pink glasses in German, you know, I was like, wow, this is, I just arrived, I'm crushing on this person, it's nice, I'm discovering the city with them, you know, I know it has to come to an end at some point, but it was okay, you know, I was like, okay, I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll keep in touch, we might see each other again, and, you know, they left, we we kept riding, sometimes we had a call, you know, and we didn't see each other in person anymore until uh, last summer when they messaged me, hey, I'm going to be in Berlin for like three days, like, let's meet up. And I was like, wow, like, you know, four, four years ago we met and so much has happened in the meantime. Basically, when we met first, like, they were in kind of an unhappy relationship. I was single and we both just had kind of started discovering like what it means to be non-binary and then we met like four years later they were in like loving like committed relationship I had kind of built my little polycule here in Berlin and we both had transitioned basically so we got to see each other again in living our best lives basically yes! like me you know yeah, we, we saw each other and we're like, yes, we are the versions of ourselves we want to be, you know, and we both look hot and amazing, and this is who we imagined we would be, you know, so it was really affirming to see them again. I mean, one little sad thing was that they are now monogamous and I'm poly, so I was like, okay, we're not going to hook up again. That was a bit sad. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, 
non nonetheless, they were here for like, I don't know, like three days and we spent like beautiful 24 hours together. We had like, we cooked dinner, we went to a queer party, which was not so nice, but then we were like, okay, let's leave. It was like five in the morning, the sun came up, we were like, let's go to Teufelsee. We took blankets from my place, we went there, we saw the sunrise there, we saw like the old naked Germans like already there with their chairs, you know, and then the place filled up with like queer people and we were just lying there naked, just like eating fruit, like talking about life. It was really beautiful and you know it made me realize like even though they had to leave again after like three days, like these are the kinds of you know connection that really leave a trace. You know, even you know it's it's a bit like Berlin, you know, people always come and go but they change you and they, you know, make you become the person who you are. And I really am grateful for all these connections. Yeah, that's what's one of them. <laughs> Um, I will say it was fantastic that like queer theory and the discussion about queer theory and trans theory uh, had more had more occupied more space in that story than actual sex. <laughs> this is the way conversation and connection is the way. And then it's like then you find out what the people nerd out about, and then it's like that's really the way to get into someone's pants. Basically, it's like this is what yeah nerd fucker. Uh, <laughs> If I'm not particularly creative as a top, I use a blindfold to buy some time. <laughs> That's super creative. And then if you're buying some time, but you don't want to let them know that you're buying some time, okay, you're going to put it, you can say you're in there, there, there's a bed or a chair, and then you make sure you've got shoes on that have good heels, and then you just walk around them slowly for a little bit. <laughs> thud, thud, thud. And they're just sitting in the middle going, what's going on? And you're sitting there going, I don't know what to do next. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a buildup, so you have to follow through, but you know. So this is a story about a fail, about things not going to plan. It's also the story about a strange sexual experience that I had at the bus station <laughs> by Espanhof Zoological Garden. Oh, God. <laughs> on the... at about 5.30 on a Sunday afternoon last November. But before I explain how I got myself into this situation, I need to talk a bit about my fetish. Now, most people don't know what a fetish is. They're confidently incorrect in their understanding of what a fetish is. And I blame porn sites, because they've got categories like grandma fetish. Like, no, that's gerontophilia. Or big boobs fetish. Like, no, that's just a partialism. Like, foot fetish is a partialism, too. Just a really confusingly named one. But if you like to get covered in salt and olive oil and wrapped in, I don't know, like tin foil and called a naughty baked potato, and that's the only way you can get an erection then you probably have a fetish. Your life is awesome! So, I have a fetish. Not the baked potato one, but really pretty unusual, and women don't like it. So, dating in your 40s, I was single since the beginning of COVID, is pretty hard. And you go on a couple dates, and then you get to the, like, so what do you like conversation. And then... You know, you tell them, and they're like, oh, shit, he's broken. i got a dud. Like, oh. why me? Like, I'm always attracting these perverts and weirdos. Can't I just meet a normal man? <laughs> and so I went around this merry-go-round a few times, and I was like, no, this dating scene isn't working for me. 
But, you know, fortunately, I'm a medical professional. I've got money. I'll get myself a sugar baby. <laughs> so I sign up to the site, and I talk to some lovely young woman. And I meet this, this really, really charming student. And I tell her about my deal. And she's understanding about it. And we meet, and it goes really well. And she's just delightful. Like, I like this one a lot. And we arrange a date. Right? So my thing is I really like watching women apply lipstick. That's my thing. So we're going to go to the aquarium, then we're going to go out to a nice restaurant, and after a meal, she's going to touch up her lipstick at the table. Right? And I am so excited. It's been a long pandemic. Like, like the whole... The whole like week, I'm just looking forward to this moment after dinner. And so we, we get to the, the Berlin Aquarium. We walk around looking at the fishes. And, you know, she's great. I got an instant crush on her. Like, her voice, her movements are music and poetry. And I'm just having a wonderful time with this young woman. And I tell her some funny stories, like, you know, why I always took the, um, the bar staff so well at KitKat. It's because they put me out once when I was on fire. Um, but that's a story for another day. But, but there's one small problem, which is she shows up wearing a, a mask, not one of these FFPs, but like a, a normal medical mask. And it's rubbed off like half her lipstick. Like, as we're walking around, like, I try to catch a sideways glance and just admire her makeup, because I like doing that. But it's kind of rubbed off, and I don't want to point it out, because then she might go to the bathroom and touch it up, and I won't be able to see that. So we're just walking around. <laughs> and yeah, it's great. We, we go to the restaurant. She has this big avocado salad, and she tells me about her life and her studies, and, you know, a beautiful day out. And then she's finished her food. And uh, she keeps talking. And... Um, you know, we've discussed online what's going to happen, you know, what, what this date is all about, what I'm looking for. And I'm waiting, and the anticipation is building, and she keeps talking, and I think, okay, maybe she's just lost in the conversation. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, are you going to touch up your makeup before we go? <laughs> she's like, no, I'm sorry, I forgot it at home. Oh. I'm like... At this point, I'm wondering what I've done wrong. Like, I have clearly miscommunicated. But it's okay, I can rescue it. There's like that DM store at, at, at the train station. Like, hey, why don't I take you shopping? And there's nothing open on a Sunday, but I offer to go buy her a lipstick. And then you know, we can take two. This day can still be rescued. <laughs> so we go walking, holding hands underneath the Christmas lights. And so. It's, it's a lovely date all around. It's just not going very well. <laughs> so we get to DM, we do some shopping, I buy her some things that she wanted as well. And then she looks at the time, she's like, oh shit, I've got to go. I've got to run, like right now. I'm like, okay, sure. So we go out to the little area where the buses all line up, and it's like two minutes left till the bus comes. And she's, oh yeah, didn't you want to see me put on my lipstick? And like the, the bus is pulling up, it's like, uh, yeah, like, that'd be great. So she pulls out her phone, and she really quickly does her lipstick. I give her, like, 250 euros, she jumps on the bus, and uh, that's the end of it. So 
my magical date, I ended up having sex, as sex is meaningful to me, at a bus station. <laughs> That's all. Thank you very much. Wow. Okay. And now I feel like I want to use this opportunity in a sort of a way to go back and remind you about one of our Smut Slam Code of Conduct rules. Do not weaponize this information against this poor chap. If you wear lipstick, don't be prominently putting it on right here in this room. Because if everyone's putting on lipstick in this room, that's the equivalent of an orgy for this person. And that's not what Smut Slam is about. Thank you so much. <laughs> what? My, oh, come on. People are just, people are playing, people are doing foreplay here through Fuck Bucket. Um, my princess's nipples pair amazingly well with a glass of scotch. <laughs> this is getting a little close to involving everyone else in the room in your scene. Uh, I just want to mention that. Please don't go too much further down that path. Thank you. Or I might not read it. Now, if you do... Oh, shit. It's in German. Um... <laughs> Ich freue mich auf den Sommer und heißen Outdoor Sex. I'm looking forward to summer and hot outdoor sex. Who is not? Exactly. So for this story, uh, we go back to 1996, I think, where I was uh, online dating, but in the days before mobile phones and digital pictures. So I don't know how many people were online dating here back in those days. But uh, for me, it was a revelation because before that, dating was like in bars and clubs. And in bars and clubs, people who look like me, like not conventionally beautiful, you could always see the guys going around and around to the pretty girls first, and then the less pretty girl, and then like I would be one of the people at the end, like the guys who didn't find anyone would come to talk to me, and it always felt like shit. So when we started doing online dating, where basically you could judge somebody from a profile that they wrote and their words and their brain and their smarts and their wit. For me, it was like a revolution. Like finally, you could look at somebody's brain and somebody's like soul and not just how they look on the outside physically. So I loved it. I had like an ad on a classified, like one of the first classified, where it was like French lady, um, look loving life and all the good things in life. Um, and I met, I live in Amsterdam and I, I was meeting lots of people who were just coming to Amsterdam and with a lot of them we would just en end up having a drink or walking around. Some of them it went further, but it was really cool because I was meeting people like that I would never have met before. So I had this whole theory of like, this is how should be. You should discover somebody's brain and, and soul and, and smarts before you see what they look like, right? Now there's a TV show like that, but okay. <laughs> that, was, that, was, um, that was how it was at, uh, at that time. And so I was living in Amsterdam, and then at some point my school sent me to live one semester in Sweden. So I arrived in Sweden in February, and it was really dark, and it was really cold, and I had such an awful time. Like, I didn't fit in with the local culture at all, like Swedish people are really 
not very outwardly showing emotion. So I was really, I felt really isolated. So I spent all my time in the library on the computers because there were no laptops, right? So you had to go to the library to sit on the laptop that had internet connection. And I was on ICQ, for those who remember ICQ. All these. So I was just talking, chatting with different people on ICQ, and uh, it was like a chat, basically. It was like an instant chat. And then I met this guy, Bob, and Bob and I had so much in common. Like, we like, I think we first bonded over electronic music at the time. Like, we loved Aphex Twin, and he was making electronic music. He had a theremin, and he was making his own electronic music. And it, so, first we talked about music, and I was spending hours in the library chatting with Bob, and then we were talking about life and about traveling and where do you live and about relationships and about you know a history of relationships and then about sex and we had so much in common like he was like my soulmate then I decided he was like my soulmate and we were so looking forward to meet but Bob was in the south of south of the Netherlands and I was in Sweden so it took months, not years, before we finally could meet. And in those months, we were talking about, you know, what we like in a relationship, oh, all the same, all matching, oh, my God. What we liked in, in bed, all the same, all matching, so complimentary, oh, my God, like my soulmate, totally. So finally, I came back from my semester in Sweden, and I was back in the Netherlands, and I made the plans to take the train to Breda, where Bob was from, which was really far away from Amsterdam. So I took the train for two and a half hours, and I was so excited to finally meet Bob, my soulmate. And I always remember I was... He had described what he looked like, and I described what I looked like, you know, like brown hair, blue eyes, that kind of thing. He couldn't send a picture. We didn't have digital pictures. Um, and I would always remember I was in the train, like in, in that space where you get out of the train, and through the window, I saw him waiting there. And he was a cute guy... But I already knew there's no connection. Just from, see- <laughs> Just from seeing his face. And then I knew the door is going to open. And I'm going to have to talk to him. And I, we're, we were going back to drink tea at his place. And I had to do it. And, and I knew the whole time, like, my... my Tommy sank, you know, because I, I thought this, this is not going to go anywhere. He's not my soulmate after all. So, you know, I think he felt it too. So we kind of went through the motions and we were friendly to each other. Um, but yeah, we never saw each other again. And that's when I learned that connection, even if you have it spiritually and emotionally, there's also a physical thing that needs to happen. Yeah. Oh, God, there were so many ways that that could have ended, like, badly. I was just like, oh, God. And then I stayed on the train and kept going all the way into Belgium. <laughs> just went to the next town. To, oh, I don't know. I wasn't, uh, <sighs> Good heavens. Um, and I, I want to clarify something for the purposes of, like, um, the purposes of, of, Ah, the code of conduct. This is not like something that you broke, but I realized I didn't get into it necessarily. Is like, like when you are, I think I may have skipped this part in the code of conduct actually of like, of like 
uh, when people talk about themselves and their bodies, like be kind about it. And I, you were very kind. You were very kind about it. You were very kind about it. But I, th- I heard people in the audience when you said like uh, not conventionally attractive, and people in the audience were like, "Oh, man, trust me. When you are not, when one is not conventionally attractive, one knows, and that is a label that you can choose for yourself. And that is, and 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 when you talk about like the pretty girls, that's like you, I could hear the quotes clanking in heavily around that. You know, like the pretty girls and the not pretty. It's like it's a thing. But like I want to remind people to like to like stay, you know, just stay aware of that when you're talking. You you obviously were. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for taking it. Oh. To all the gentle and sensual doms that feel bad because they are not strict protocol and punishment. I love and appreciate you. The stuff you do is so nice and relieves stress in a different way. This is really the Valentine's Day event that we didn't... I didn't think we were going to plan this, but it's turning out to be like little love notes. That's great. Oh. All right. Crowdsourcing. Crowdsourcing. How do you manage feelings slash a crush when you know you don't fit together and it's not healthy for you to pursue? How do you manage a crush when you know you're not going to do anything about it? It's not a question of like, oh, how do I make it happen? It's like, I've got this crush. I just have to kind of sit it out. How do you do it? Distance. Distance. What do you mean? Like, like emotional distance or geographical? Just stay away from them? All of them, yeah. All of it. Take some time out. Take some time out and get away. Okay, we got one over here? Go and find sex and connection with someone else. The troll person over here. <laughs> Get a genital tattoo. <laughs> That's distracting. Go on. Um, we had to date the, the, um, um, the glasses. You know, the rose Take off the rose-colored glasses. Don't ignore the red flags. Don't, so you're looking like maybe there are some red flags there that you... Perhaps. perhaps or just... just don't do stupid stuff. Don't do stupid stuff. This is good advice generally. <laughs> don't, just, don't do the stupid stuff. One more, go. If you have to be in contact with them, oh. definitely masturbate every time before so you're not... <laughs> if you have to be in contact with them, masturbate before, not afterwards, is what you mean? <laughs> Masturbate before so you're not horny. You people. Wow. Maybe? Whoever asked that question, take it all with a grain of salt. So a couple of years ago when I was still more going out in kinky places, I was trying out other parties that I haven't been to. I fell into the trap of women get in for free and stuff like that but I was always like okay before I go out I was thinking like okay what what do I want from this evening what will make me happy like at sometimes it was like I want to put up my fist into somebody or I want to pee at somebody but uh, most of the time it was more this uh, I want to have a conversation that I enjoyed in this evening and if I had a nice conversation then the evening was worth it because it's always like you know I need to drag myself out there I would just could just stay home so 
Um, and like getting having a nice conversation is not always so easy when you're like really introverted uh, and kind of shy I don't know like shy was more like I'm a lot in my head and this has been a couple of years back so I was way more in my head and sometimes I wanted to talk to people but I couldn't like I couldn't I just felt like I didn't have anything to say I was also very depressed and everything just felt like dragging myself along and I was very regularly in KitKat like every week I needed to be there and I had a few people that I knew uh, sometimes I would get to know a new person but wouldn't be a regular thing for me and there was this person, was like a, a, young, a young woman with blue hair, and every week she would come to me and she would try to talk to me, and I was always like, mm -hmm. oh my God. I just want to be alone, kind of, and it was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it was like week after week after week, and I was always super boring and depressed and not really up for a conversation. And then there was this one night and I was hanging out with some friends and uh, I was like, yeah, looking around and then we're pretty much on the other side of the room. There she was with her friends and she was just sticking out her bum and like flicking her hair back. And then we were looking at each other into each other's eyes and I had this moment like, oh my, I feel so connected. I should talk to her just like reminding you it has been weeks and weeks and weeks where she approached me and then like this evening it didn't happen but the next week I, I thought the whole week about it and I was like with my friend I was like I need to talk to the, uh, to the girl with the blue hair today um, and then I finally approached her and we, uh, we talked and we talked really really well like the whole night and after that became like really really close friends and and yeah, it has been now six years and this person is like one of my closest friends and more family uh, to me than my family ever has been. Um, so yeah, it was like still when I think back, I'm like really happy that she had like the motivation to approach me again and again and again because I wasn't, I wasn't available. So yeah, very thankful for that connection. I love hearing, I, this is turning out to be a very heartwarming night for me to listen to, because it's like, we are all such fucking perverts, but the connections are there, like, everywhere, in every little thing. Um, it's beautiful. I, oh. I haven't come with another person uh, uh, involved since nearly 12 months, frowny face. Not even a frowny, it's a, it's a sad face, not a frowny face, it's a sad face. Okay, well, I hope that you get to have that, because it, clearly you want it, so I hope you get to have that soon. Hmm. Oh. This is the Valentine show. First date with both partner persons. And now I'm like scanning the room, like trying to figure out who's going on there. Where's the misery? This, I don't want the misery. We get enough of that. Um, okay, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this question and then I'm gonna take three popcorn hands up. First three hands that I see get to answer and I'm not gonna give any more space than that. Do you think it's possible to have a DS relationship with someone without developing romantic feelings? DS, dominant submissive, DS. Do you think it's possible? Raise your hand. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Anybody else say no fucking way? You saying no way? No, okay. Sorry, two against one, you lose. Okay, so. <laughs> the room of three people has spoken. Um, I love butt stuff. And I cannot lie. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> I love butt stuff, but I've never been on the receiving end with someone else. I'm not sure if it would be as good as I imagine it to be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it would be. If you get the right person, make sure you get the right person. Lots of lube. Talk with them about it. Tell them to go slow. Okay. Um, okay, so I want to talk a bit about how uh, you can get really good sex from crisis. I know. Y'all are horny right now. Um, but, you know, bear with me for a moment. So, um, about seven or so years ago, almost eight now, actually, um, I was in uh, a relationship with somebody and we just stopped having sex. He's a lovely person. We're not together. I still see him as a friend. You know, it's fine. You can be with, you can, you know, Sometimes you don't work out. He can be lovely, you can be lovely, whatever. You can, sometimes you work out. But we weren't having sex anymore. And I was just so fucking horny. And uh, finally, you know, we decided this wasn't working out anymore. We were going to end it. Um, and uh, there was a guy who uh, got in contact with me, who I had not seen for a few years. But I remember that before I met you know, my partner, we had crazy good sex and we had talked, um, a lot about it. We knew exactly what each other liked. Um, all communication had been open and I was just very excited to reconnect as it were with this person. Um, and I end up going to his house and I just, you know, was, my blood was boiling the entire U-Bahn ride over. And I was in Prince Lauerberg and he was in fucking Schoenberg. So it was a long fucking ride, few changes, hoping people like don't notice me and like Alex being like, I'm going to have sex right now. I haven't had sex in front and I get there, and it's two and a half hours fucking long, and it's amazing, and it's great, and it's everything that I remembered, and, you know, and this, this guy was like the fucking Joker in the movie where he's like, I'm going to make this pencil disappear, like my dick disappeared down his throat, like, Yo! <laughs> he was very, very, very good, um, and, you know, it was magical, it was amazing, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, this was years ago, we used condoms, um, and then after sex, um, you know, like he had, you know, made my dick disappear down his throat. I had, you know, fucked him like crazy, a whole bunch of other stuff. And we're having a shower at the end. And I look down and I'm like, what's that? And it turned out that it was a big cut right at the base of my dick. And I was like, and I didn't think anything of it at the time. In retrospect, I probably should have. Um, but I just kept washing myself and cleaning up like we normally did. And this is a person that I had sex with many times before. Um, and I knew that, you know, it was always safe. It was always fine. He was a smart guy. Um, I didn't think anything of it. In retrospect, as a public service announcement, 
The next day, I probably should have gone for PEP, the PEP, the post-exposure prophylaxis. But I was dumb, and I didn't want to think that anything, you know, happened. Um, anyway, couple, uh, about two weeks later, I have the worst fucking flu that I've ever had in my entire fucking life. Um, I was bedridden for a week, and I don't get sick very easily at all. I'm like, my immune system is like fucking, like a fucking tank. So I knew something was wrong, but I didn't want to admit anything to myself. Um, and I finally went in for my regular every three months, go and get tested. Um, and I go and get tested. And this is like, like I had drinks planned with friends after it was so routine. Like this is, this happens. You're gay in Berlin, go every three months, go get your check. Um, and they pull me aside afterward and they say, um, your test is positive for HIV. Your HIV test is positive. And uh, we're going to need to do a confirmatory test because we can't always be sure um, after the first test, you know, so we need to do a second one, you know, and I'm booked in for two days later um, at uh, the guy who is still my doctor, actually, wonderful doctor. Um, And uh, he tells me the second time, two days later, yes, you are HIV positive. Um... And I was just so broken. And, but then after a couple of days, I just resigned myself to the fact I couldn't imagine that anybody would ever want to have sex with me ever again, that anybody would want to ever connect with me ever again, like at least physically. Um, I was prepared to be like, you know, I'm a nerd. I like, you know, being like Elizabeth I and everything. I was like ready to like still myself and be a virgin forever. I was ready to just enjoy a life of intellectual or whatever experiences. I know. Well, if these are the things that go through your head, girl. Um, and I went back to Canada. Um, I'm from Canada. I've lived here for over 10 years. And I went, I, I uh, met up with a guy who I had not seen in years and years and years. And he said, you know, same thing, like we liked all the same stuff, he knew what I was into, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and, and he says, yeah, you know, why don't you take me home and fuck me hard? And I'm like, I'd like that, but I need to tell you something because something's changed. So I tell him. And he's like, that's it? He's like, well, I'm on prep, I'm on pre-exposure prophylaxis, so like, uh, you can come in right in my ass if you want. And I had never actually, up until then, had sex without a condom. Um... And it felt so crazy to have this kind of sexual experience without the fear of death, because that's what happens when you're gay. You have sex with the fear of death every fucking time you have it. And it was liberating. It was, I'd never felt that kind of connection before, that you could just have sex without fear, fuck without fear. Fast forward a couple of years. I'm going to end this, I promise. Um, And now I'm with a wonderful, my wonderful boyfriend, and I, we, we uh, met at a friend's wedding. There was a lot of sexual tension. Our friends were like, Michael and the Canadian are going to fuck. I was not, I didn't have a name. I was just the Canadian at the wedding. Okay. And he says, and then I, I, I tell, I, it took, took a year, take, takes a year. We're in different cities. It's complicated, blah, blah, blah. And then I finally am just like, before we have sex, I need to tell you something. And then once again, he says, that's it. I'm on prep. Hmm. I get tested. I know you're undetectable. So what's the problem? And we're almost five years. So (laughs) there you go. This really is the Valentine show I was trying to avoid, but I guess it's just happening. Just happening. Oh, my God. 
goodness, welcome back. Are you are you are you are you able to pull yourself away from the story now? I mean, that's yeah. I love I love the cumulative effect of all this fucking smut, and I hope you do too. Um, I want to thank, uh, as always, um, our venues who host the Smut Slams. It's not always the easiest show to promote because people still think it's a little weird, but uh, we got our favorite places, and they love what we offer. In Berlin, our venue is Crack Belmer. It is stellar. It's right there near Warschauer Strasse. If you ever want to swing by and catch unusual cabaret music, live events of all sorts, they're the, really the one to hit while you're in Berlin. Let's get you quickly to the Smut Slam calendar coming up for the next little bit. Uh, you can find all this information on smutslam.com. Go to the directory page, but I'll just quickly whip it out for you there. That's what she said. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, this is March 7th. We're going to have a slam in Boston. March 9th is a slam, a benefit slam happening up in Glasgow. March 14th, I am hosting a slam in Cologne or Cologne uh, out there in the west of Germany. We're coming back to Winnipeg on March 15th with host Didi Brazier. March 20th, I'll be um, slamming it hard back in my home base of Berlin. March 26th, I'm super excited to be heading out to Amsterdam for the first time. It's one of those cities everyone says, oh, they should have a smut slam. I was like, yes, they should. So we're bringing it on March 26th. And then on March 28th in uh, Leipzig, I'll be hosting there again. So again, you can just check it out at smutslam.com. If you're interested in other things that I do, you want to check me out on Facebook as Cameron Moore muse uh, because that's the name of my show that i'm working on to bring to the canadian fringe festival circuit this summer so if you're in canada at all in any of these numbers of cities that i'm going to you want to just keep your eyes peeled for muse i will of course be bringing smut slam to those locations as well but uh, you just got to stay on top of the news from cameron moore muse you can also find me at cameron moore on instagram now i want to let you know finally about who who exactly is responsible for today's episode? It's uh, brought to you in part by confetti.eu. That's K-O-N-F-E-T-T-I-E dot E-U. They're like an Etsy for sex toys and kink accessories and sex positive art. Uh, we gave away some of that art at recent slams in Leipzig and Dresden and Frankly, I wanted to keep it for myself, for real, for real. It was like the one that I saw, the one that I was giving away and particularly looking at and going, holy shit, uh, was like pizza-themed bukkake shot. It was so glorious, yes. See, now when a platform has room to play and innovate, it is, it's just a, a breeding ground for that sort of magic that I'm talking about. You can just you can just find it there in, in, in the sparkle and fun that people have with sex toys and kinks. So that again, you wanna check that out. Confetti.eu, K-O-N-F-E-T-T-I-E dot E-U. You can sign up for your newsletter there, uh, get get notifications of new vendors coming on and special sales. And if you use SmutSlam20 as the discount code at checkout, yeah, 20% off, babe. So go check that out. They are doing some marvelous, magical stuff over there. I'm super excited to have them with us as a sponsor for Your Life is Awesome. So you'll be hearing from us again soon, obviously. The filth run is over as 
our network is back to growing again as more and more Smut Slams come back online. Carefully, slowly, we are building the we are building the network back up. So You'll definitely be hearing from us again soon. But in the meantime, I want you to remember, your life is awesome. This has been Your Life is Awesome, a story podcast from Smutslam with Cameron Moore. Produced by me, Mark Seestedt. Music by Sticky Biscuits. A huge thank you to all storytellers featured. All stories are being shared with permission. Thanks also to Enjoy Toys, makers of deluxe stainless steel instruments of pleasure, for continually supporting Smutslam. Find them at enjoytoys.com. If you want to help us make more of these, plus get access to longer episodes and other bonus material, please join our Patreon at patreon.com. Your life is awesome. If that's not in the cards right now, you can also help by rating and reviewing this show. Look for that option in your podcast app. We might read out some reviews on a future episode. Got a question for Cameron? Write or send a voice recording to smutslampodcast at gmail.com. This too might be featured on the podcast. And if you want to find out more about Smutslam and the code of conduct we use in the shows, go to smutslam.com. All links mentioned can be found in the podcast info. Thanks for listening.